0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Give Your Reins to the Lord, as we pick up in Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 19. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Jeremiah, now in verse 19, speaks of himself and the problems that he was running into. But I was like a lamb or an ox that is brought to the slaughter. And I knew that they had been devising devices against me, saying, let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name will be no longer remembered. So there there were men that were conspiring to kill him. But the Lord of hosts that judges righteously, that tries the reins. Now, the reins uh, are, you know, that which guides and directs the uh, the animal. You use the reins for uh, leading or guiding. And so that is the, the guiding area of your life. And, and a lot of people haven't given the reins over to the Lord. They're trying to guide their lives themselves. But God tries the reins in the heart. Let me see thy vengeance. And now Jeremiah's praying, oh, God, let me see your vengeance on thee. They're plotting to kill me, Lord. Now let me see your vengeance on them, for unto thee have I revealed my cause. There is within the Christian circles today sort of a, I feel it's a, it's a, it's a phony kind of a, you know, oh, but we're to love everybody, brother, you know, and, and uh, even the wicked and all, and and, and, you know, we're never to think any thoughts of vengeance or uh, we're never to think any thoughts of, uh, you know, God destroy the wicked kind of a thing. But, and, and there's almost a weakness in our position against wickedness and against sin because of this prevailing attitude. Oh, well, we ought to be forgiving and all. Yes, we ought to be forgiving. Yes, we ought to love. And I don't deny that. And I'm not denying that. But there is also a time when we need to be calling for God's righteous judgment. And I think that a part of our whole moral laxity in, in the nation today has come from a very tolerant, soft attitude towards evil, towards wickedness. And I think that that's a dangerous attitude. And so Jeremiah is is saying, God, let me see your vengeance on them. For unto thee have I revealed my cause. God, let me see you. Wipe them out. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, God answers, Jeremiah, of the men of Anathoth that seek your life, saying, prophesy not in the name of the Lord that you die not by our hands. Quit prophesying in God's name, we're going to kill you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by a famine, and there shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring evil upon the men of Anathoth, even the year of their visitation. So God promises he's going to bring judgment upon these who had conspired to kill the prophet of God. Now, Jeremiah goes on, and, and he is talking now about the situation, the the wicked man Jehoiah has that is in power. And he begins by saying, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee. Starting from a base, from a foundation that is very important. Know this, that God is righteous and God is fair. Now, I will not always understand the righteousness of God, or the justice or judgments of God. You see, as a Christian, we have problems. Because I believe that God is righteous, because I believe that God is love, I have difficulty understanding a lot of things that are happening in the world. Because it seems that if God is a God of love, then why would he allow these things to take place? If God is a fair God, if he is just Then why is it that wicked people oftentimes prosper Have great prosperity And so many times good, righteous people Are hurting, suffering Now if I were God I would bless all the righteous people And really put the thumb on the wicked, you know But that would be because I'm stupid. Because then, how would I really know that they loved me for me? They might just be, you know, mouthing words because they don't want the thumb to squash them out. If all righteous people were just blessed, had a great prosperity and everything else, Then Satan could, as he did with Job, say, hey, does Job serve you for nothing? Look at the way you've blessed that fellow. Why, anybody would serve you if you bless him like that. You don't know that Job really loves you. You don't know that Job is really faithful. He's a mercenary. He just got good sense. And the way you've blessed him, he's just worshiping him praising you because of the prosperity you've given to the guy. I was talking with a fellow the other day, very wealthy man. We were having lunch together, and he was telling me of, of his difficulties. The difficulty lay in the fact that he was going with different young ladies, but he really didn't know if they really loved him or not. He said he, he felt like he needed to go somewhere off somewhere and put on jeans and, and, you know, to put aside his fancy cars and yachts and, and everything else because he was looking for a woman who loved him, not his checkbook. And he said, I really don't know. He said, they all know me. They know who I am. They know, you know, what I've got. And so I don't know when they come smiling to me and making conversation if they're really interested in me or interested in my pocketbook, my checkbook. Well, that would be a difficult problem. And it would be the same problem God would have if he cursed all the wicked and blessed all of the righteous. He wouldn't know if you really loved him or not. But when here I'm seeking to live a good life and and things go bad and I still love him, I don't turn on him and curse him because, you know, things are suddenly going downhill and, and I've made a foolish mistake and, and all, and I, and, and I say, oh, God, and I begin to curse God. Then, you see, he would know. So God lets me go through the fire, and I still worship and praise the Lord. I say, all right you know, I'm his. I've, you know, st- still love you, Lord. I don't love you because I've been blessed. I just love you because I love you. Because of you. Not because of your blessings or or whatever you've done. God, I just love you because you're you. And, And God knows that. When we, in our adversities, continue in our devotion and love to Him. So God allows us our adversity. God allows us problems. God allows us... Suffering, And he allows the wicked to prosper Because he doesn't want mercenaries He doesn't want people just worshiping him Because of, of the fringe benefits But because of him himself So Jeremiah is, is wrestling with this God, I know you're righteous It's not a question of that I'm not challenging Now, the mistake that people often make Is that they do challenge God when they say, if God is a God of love, why does God? And that's challenging God. If you come and say, now, God, I know that you're a God of love, but I sure don't understand, you know, if you love me, why you've allowed this to happen to me. That's all right. God accepts that just as long as you're not challenging his love for you. You can surely challenge the circumstances of your life. I mean, you can, you can ask God why things are happening to you. God, I know you love me. But, Lord, why is this happening in my life? Why are things going wrong? Why? And it may be that God will show you something that is, that is not quite right that he's trying to correct. But it's wrong to challenge God. I don't think God loves me. You know, in Job, in all that transpired against him, it said he did not curse God or charge God foolishly. Now, many times you may not curse God, but you may charge God foolishly. You may make foolish charges against God. And we've got to be careful about that. that We don't really charge God. Well, God doesn't love me. I know he doesn't love me because look what's happened. So, God, I know you're righteous. No problem there. But I want to talk to you about your judgments. God Why do wicked men prosper? Why are they so happy who deal so treacherously? For it seems that you have planted them. They've taken root, they grow, they're bringing forth fruit. You're near to their mouth, but you're far from their reins. So Jehoiah comes in on the throne, a wicked man, and it seems that he's been planted on the throne. God, I don't understand it. Here's a good, righteous man, Josiah, is wiped out. And you let this wicked Jehoiahaz come upon the throne. He talks about God, but his life is not at all submitted. You're near in their mouth, but far from the control center of their life. But Lord, you know me. You've seen me. You've tried my heart towards thee. Now, that's something that we can all say, God, you know me. God, you've seen me. You remember in the messages of Jesus to his churches, there in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. In each case, he said, I know thy works. God, you know me. God, you have seen me. And God, you have tried my heart. And God does try our hearts. God does test the love. Now, earlier... In verse 19, the previous chapter, Jeremiah said, I was like an ox or a lamb that is being brought to the slaughter. Here I am. I love you, Lord, serving you, Lord, saying your word, Lord. And I've become like a lamb that they're ready to kill. They've told me if I prophesy anymore in your name, they're going to kill me. Now, Lord, here's this wicked guy. Now set him up for slaughter, not me. Prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the vegetables of every field wither? For the wickedness of them that are dwelling therein, the beasts are consumed, the birds, because he said, because they said, he shall not see our last end. They, they've ignored God. They've shut God out of their lives. God responds to him. You think it's tough now? It's only going to get tougher, man And if you've run with a footman If you got in a race with a footman And they have wearied you How in the world are you going to race with horses? If you've been weary in, in these little things how, What are you going to do when it really gets tough? I do believe I do know That things are going to get much, much tougher before they get better. I do think that our whole society has peaked as far as our standard of livings, culture and all. I think that we have peaked and are on the way down. We cannot continue to use up the energy resources as we have in the past. We're going to have to start making sacrifices as far as our energy consumption is concerned. We are not producing enough food to feed the hungry world. And as more people get hungry, more demands are going to be made upon our food supplies. And we cannot ignore the third world and its tremendous needs and whether we like it or not, demands are going to be made upon us that are going to call for greater sacrifices. And, and the high standard that we've come to expect and to enjoy is, is over, and, and we're on the way down. We're not going to be able to just go on forever, gobbling up 37% of the world's energy resources. Because we're only 6% of the people and, and it's over The holiday, the picnic is over Things are going to start getting tougher And they're going to get much tougher Before they get better Now, if you've run with a footman And they have wearied you What are you going to do When you start racing against horses? If on the level ground you become tired. How are you going to run through the marshes of Jordan? Now, God doesn't really answer the question, Lord, why do the wicked prosper? And here I am a righteous man and they're threatening to kill me. Lord, how come God doesn't answer, he just says, Hey, it's not tough yet, Jeremiah. It's going to really get tough. What are you going to do then? Now, God acknowledged that Jeremiah had been running. You've been running with a footman. You've been doing it. How have you been doing that? You've been doing it with the strength and the guidance of the Lord. And that strength and guidance that you've had in the past is the same way that you're going to be contending with horses. You've got to trust in the Lord. Now, God is got all of us in training. The Bible says you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto the good works that God has before ordained that you should fulfill. God has each of us in training as He is preparing us for the future. God always prepares His children for whatever they will be facing, and God knows what you're going to be facing in the future, and thus God has been training you to prepare you for it because He'll never take you into anything by great shock and surprise. He'll never bring you to any place but what He hasn't already prepared you for that place. But I'll go one further. He's also prepared that place for you. To the children of Israel after the wilderness experience, he said, everywhere you pitched your tent, I went before you and prepared the places for you to pitch your tent. I love that. God's gone before me, prepared every place for me to pitch my tent. I never arrive at any place but what God has not preceded me there and fixed it all up just for me. But he's also been working in me to prepare me for that place. So God is working in each of us, preparing us for the more difficult days that are to come, teaching us to rely on him, teaching us to trust in him, teaching us the lessons of faith, teaching us to know that God will not fail us, God will see us through. No matter what may come, the Lord will be with me and will help me. And he's been teaching me and training me because one of these days I'm going to be running with the horses. But if I haven't been running with a footman, I'll never be able to run with the horses. So God is working in your life. So these little trials and testings that you're going through, they're all a part of God's work in his preparation of your life for things in the future that will be yet even more difficult than what we have experienced in the past. So this is God's response to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. The nation is going downhill. Jeremiah can see that the nation is going downhill. And wicked men are in control and guiding it downhill. God, why have you allowed the wicked to prosper? Why have you allowed the wicked to take over and to guide the people in this way of destruction? And God just says, hey, fasten your seatbelt, man. It's going to really get tough. You've been running with a footman. They worried you, but hey, you're soon going to be racing with horses. Now, you're going to just have to trust in me. You're just going to have to hold on. I will see you through it. I'll bring you through it, but you're going to have to have complete trust and reliance on me. For Jeremiah, even your brothers from the house of your father, your own brothers, flesh and blood, even they have dealt treacherously with you. They have called a multitude of people after you. So don't believe them, though they speak fair words to you. Though they come and say, Oh, Jeremiah, what a neat brother, you know. Don't believe them. They're, they're, they're conspiring against you. God now declares concerning the nation Israel I have forsaken my house, I have left my heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hand of their enemies. Now, notice how God still talks of Israel. The dearly beloved of my soul. God still loves them. You remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, hey, what do I have to do to inherit age-abiding life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. He says, which ones? And Jesus talked to him about the commandments that dealt with his relationship with his fellow men. And he said, I've kept all these from my youth. What I lack yet. Jesus said, well, if you want to be perfect, go and take your goods and sell them and distribute among the poor your wealth and then come and follow me. And it said he went away sad because he had great riches. Now, you thought that if you had great riches, you'd be very happy. Here's a case where great riches made a man very sad. But it says Jesus looked upon him and loved him. This guy had a quality that was admirable. It drew out love from Jesus as, as he saw the sincerity in the guy's heart. Jesus looked upon him and loved him, but the guy couldn't pay the price. He went away sad. No sadder than Jesus because Jesus loved him. And, and he speaks of the people, though they have forsaken, though they're going down the tubes, though you know, they've turned their back on God, God still calls them, the beloved of my soul. Oh, how great is God's love.
0: We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study, the book of Jeremiah, in our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Jeremiah 11 through 12 when visiting the today.org. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. May He fill you with the knowledge of His love and His grace. And may you walk in fellowship with Him. And may the Lord continue His work in your life as He draws you unto Himself, as He cleanses you through His Word, as He fits you and prepares you for that work that He would have you to do in touching the needy world around you. God bless you. And God strengthen you. And keep you ever in His love and in His will. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
1: Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.